Check out my next interview with Marshall, who is really enjoying living in Guatemala with his wife. Now, Guatemala is somewhere that's called the Land of Eternal Spring. It has beautiful lakes and rivers. It's really a marvelous place to not just visit, but also live. And Marshall created a stand-up paddleboard business. It's called Sup Atilan. So he's really enjoying the water, the weather, and making something special for tourists to enjoy when they come visit. Check out this episode. Welcome to the Are We Home Yet podcast, where we talk to expats about what it's like living abroad, and they tell their stories, whether it's the struggles, the joys, falling in love, raising a family, managing a business in another country, and maybe still searching for that place they will one day call home. This is a place where you can listen, the guests and hosts will share, and maybe we'll all learn from these stories that we're all connected in what home means to each of us. I'm your host, Jalila Clark. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Are We Home Yet podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Marshall. Marshall, how are you? I'm doing fantastic, thanks. How are you doing? Great, great, great. Thanks. Okay, so Marshall, where do you currently live and how long have you lived there? Um, I currently live in the Spanish colonial um, city of Antigua in Guatemala. Uh, it's a very interesting place to live. Um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Latin American food. So, you know, we got all the, the classics like tacos and burritos and fajitas and quesadillas, which, which is all stuff I absolutely love. Um, I think the weather here is perfect. They call Guatemala the land of eternal spring, which oh. basically just means like, this country kind of just always has a very comfortable temperature. It never gets too hot or too cold. Um, so, and it's year round. So it's just it's an absolutely fantastic place to live um, from a weather perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's quite a bit of culture here. I mean, Guatemala is one of the places with a thriving Mayan Aboriginal culture that's still here and still living uh, quite unique to their ancestral ways. So. Uh, to travel around and see how people are living, how the sort of um, the indigenous Guatemalans are still living in the country is quite fascinating to watch and to also be a part of, you mm-hmm. know, to live amongst their culture uh, is quite an experience. And so, um, so where did you move from? Like, where are you originally from? And what made you choose Guatemala of all the places where you could have moved? Fantastic question. And uh, (laughs) so I'm a Canadian originally. I was born and raised in Canada. And I was 29. I had a very, like, comfortable career working in hospitality management. I was in my 20s living in Banff, Alberta, um, just kind of snowboarding and managing these restaurants and a big hotel there. And as I was approaching 30, I was kind of being a little bit disillusioned with my career and I had done a big backpacking trip through New Zealand and Southeast Asia and I was just craving another adventure before I turned into an old guy or at least what I thought turning 30 represented like oh I'm turning so old now that I'm almost turning 40 I look back on that and I go wow I was so young back then but Mm -hmm. anyway um, I wanted another backpack adventure so I quit my kind of job and career and decided I'm going to backpack through Central America. 
And I ended up in Guatemala, not with the intent to stay here as long as I did, but what happened was I was staying in a hostel and somebody actually stole my wallet from me while I was there. So I was kind of um, in a tough situation. And luckily I was staying in a hostel with some really nice owners and it was almost Christmas and they actually needed some help. They needed an actual manager, not just some, some, some guys to run the desk. And because I had hospitality experience, they hired me. Uh, so I ended up working there, staying and living in this little village called Santa Cruz on Lake Atitlan in Guatemala. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just fell in love with this location. Like this place is stunning. This view across the lake with three volcanoes, uh, the vibe, the weather, everything about it was just um, perfect. And I said, like, I'm going to live here one day. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to live here. And I'm going to make this my life somehow. Uh, went back home to Canada, cut to four years later. I had met my girlfriend and, you know, we were kind of both there in Canada and thinking of a, a life change. And I said, you know what, babe, I know this beautiful lake down in Guatemala. Um, you can rent a little house right by the water. It's pretty cheap. It's stunning. It's relaxing. It's a very chill vibe. Do you want to go check it out maybe over the course of a few months for a winter? Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, yeah, let's go have a look. And we came here and it's five and a half years later and we never left. So, I mean, is there anything that you miss about, you know, where you originally came from or no? I mean, of course, you know, like I, I do love Canada and uh, I lived in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, like in Banff National Park, which from what I've seen of the world is one of the most stunning places like you can visit. And, um, you know, I love it there. I love the, the mountain culture. I'm an outdoorsy kind of guy. So I like camping and mountain biking and snowboarding and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I miss a lot of that and I miss the people. I think Canadians are very, very friendly in general. And I think it's a, it's a great kind of place to be from, but you know, that's the trade-off when you want to do the expat life is uh, there are things about living in Canada that were also uh, challenging the cost of living, the, the immensity of the country and travel and, um, you know, so there's things that you give up to be an expat in a different country. Do I miss things about Canada? Absolutely. Do I want to go back there? No, I'm quite comfortable with my life in Guatemala now. When you decided to move, like, you know, I mean, did okay because i'm i'm speaking to you because you created this business so had you already created it or you know was it was it in the process or was it something that you created once you moved um it, yeah it was actually my business that i have here is completely just born of the need for something to do while i'm here uh, so to, to, to put it into context, I own a small paddleboard tour business that, that I operate on Lake Atitlan called Stand Up Paddle Atitlan. Mm -hmm. And and also to just provide more context, me and my wife, we actually lived on Lake Atitlan for our first four years in Guatemala. And we mm -hmm. now only recently live in Antigua. We moved here about eight months ago okay. uh, just to have a little bit of a change. But I still own and run my business in Santa Cruz on Lake Atitlan, mm -hmm. a small paddleboarding business. Mm -hmm. And I started that because I just, I needed something to do here. Mm -hmm. I am not a digital nomad. Like I don't really, I'm not like a, 
I mean, I know computers, obviously, but I don't have any interest in mm -hmm. spending all day in front of a computer working. I'm a much more uh, physical, like out there, kind of like to be out with the people in the real world, in the real world, doing my thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were on this lake, we were living there. So I looked around and I saw, well, no one's really paddleboarding on this lake. I mean, they've got kayaks, but you know, this is kind of the exciting new water sport that everyone's getting into. Mm -hmm. And I had actually never even paddleboarded before. Mm -hmm. It's not like it was something that I sort of had this um, experience with, but I just sort of saw a, a hole or like a, yeah, something in the market that I could fill that nobody was really providing. So I went to California. I learned how to be a paddleboard instructor. I took a week long course there. They trained me up and I bought some paddleboards and I brought them back down to Guatemala with me. And I just started with, you know, six paddleboards and mm -hmm. started marketing myself, taking tourists and backpackers out on the water to go and explore this, this beautiful lake. And I've just been building it up ever since. Let's take a quick break. If you're enjoying the show, make sure you share, subscribe, download, rate, review the podcast, and join our community via Facebook and Instagram by typing in Are We Home Yet Podcast and Twitter by typing in Are We Home Yet Pod, where we share resources, you can interact with our guest, and you have a chance to tell your story as a former, current, or future expat. And of course, be a part of our community. The social media links are also at the bottom of the page on the arewehomeyetpodcast.com website as well. Okay, now back to the show. Okay. And so, you know, had you been an entrepreneur before? Like, or, or was this your first time? I had a brief stint with it, yes. Um, in between coming back from my backpacking trip through Central America and before coming back, there was a four-year period. Um, you know, some people might relate to the fact that I went backpacking through Central America and I came home completely broke. So I went back to my hometown of South Kern, Saskatchewan uh, to kind of rebuild myself back up again. I had sort of quit my hospitality career and I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do sort of post that trip. And I ended up working a couple of jobs and one of them was to just be sort of a landscape um, property maintenance manager. So I just went around and kind of cut lawns and looked after the, the outdoor facilities of a bunch of properties that this construction company had. And then I worked another job after that where I ran and directed a nonprofit theater venue in the city. And I kind of used what I learned between these two jobs that I did and started my own property maintenance business. So it was just Marshall's yard maintenance. You know, I went around and cut lawns for people and cut hedges and did landscaping and all that kind of stuff. And that was my first sort of venture into being an entrepreneur. So I started that business, and went through all the trials and tribulations that people go through, but felt quite good about it and had built up a pretty good little business there as well, too. But Swift Current Saskatchewan was not the place where I wanted to settle down for the rest of my life. You know, mm -hmm. great little place to grow up and live, but I needed a little bit more sort of uh, adventure and excitement in my life. So mm -hmm. That's why my then girlfriend, now wife, decided to come down to Guatemala. We were also 
facing another winter and winter in Saskatchewan is a very miserable affair to deal with. We didn't really want to be there for another winter. So that was a, a lot of the reason why we kind of decided to skip the winter and go somewhere nice and warm and beautiful. And then when we got here, we decided to stay. That's why I, I started the venture of this little paddleboard business, because it was something that I could do uh, in this tiny little village of Santa Cruz. What was the visa process like? Um, quite simple, um, but requires maintenance. I mean, I'm still a tourist here. I've yeah. been living here technically for over five years. We have a, a home in Antigua and we still have a, a little casita home that is in Santa Cruz where yeah. I still run the business from. Yeah. Uh, but we're just tourists. And so the visa situation is, you know, you get 90 days when you come into the country and then you're allowed to do an extension within the country so you can go to the capital city and you kind of spend a day in, a, in an office, you know, getting things signed and things stamped. And then they give you another 90 days. Mm-hmm. But you can only do that once after that 90 days that they give you through an extension, extension, sorry, then you're required to leave the country and come back in again. And that's mm-hmm. kind of the process for living here and continuing to have a visa. Like, who did you seek out to to help you, like, start up that business? Because I'm sure, like, there's still, like, things that that you need. You need to figure out, like, I'm sure, like, there's documents that you need to create or, you know, like, um, you know, maybe you might want to do marketing. And, you know, like, like, how did you find people to help you or a person to help you? Um, great question. Um, so we had definitely met some people in Santa Cruz that, helped me, guided me along with sort of like what I was getting into. Um, And I was surprised actually how simple it was to be able to do this business legitimately. We had met some people and they had shown me that there was this um, government program that you could get onto. So I basically, I just go to an office I got a, uh, a a NIT number, which is kind of like a, a tax ID number. So they actually issued that to me, despite the fact that I'm only just a tourist in this country. Mm-hmm. And with that number, I was able to get a what's called a pequeño contribuyente um, sort of tax bracket, mm-hmm. which is basically just kind of uh, translates to the small contributor. So you can only do a certain amount of gross sales within a year. Um, it's just meant for people that want to run a very small business, but like don't want to get too overcomplicated with, uh, you know, accounting and their remittance. It's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's kind of like a, a simple small business kind of program. And but it, it allows me to write actual receipts. I, you know, I'm like legitimately and I pay I pay taxes on the to the government on the money that I make through my paddle boarding. So. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a legitimate thing, but got a proper website, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. It's out there <clears throat> and, you know, I'm on the government radar, but I'm an official business, but very quite easy to set up. I discovered um, as I got into it and started figuring it out with the help of some friends that we had made uh, who were doing similar things. Were you ever worried about your business not working out? Like, you know, the interest, the the, the interest that that may or may not be there, the profit that may or may not occur? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I don't think anybody starts a business and not worry about those things, no matter where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah, it was definitely, it was kind of a, a bit of a long shot. Um, but we also knew when we started it that, you know, we were just going for a very kind of slow, organic growth. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it's the work that my wife does that pays the bills and allows us to continue to live comfortably and happy here. Mm-hmm. And what I do with the paddle boarding business really just kind of like adds to our funds. We don't depend on it for our livelihood, which is, you know, a far less pressure for me. And it doesn't mean that I don't take it any less seriously, mm-hmm. uh, but it just means that like, I don't quite have to, um, how do you say, like, I don't have to put the pressure on myself to know that, like, if I don't make enough money through this, like that, we're going to get kicked out of our house or not be able to eat or anything like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's allowed me to kind of just take it as it comes. You know, like I said, I just started with a few boards, you put it out there, you make a simple website, you know, you start to make a little bit of money, you can invest in some more equipment, you can upgrade your website, you can sort of get more influence and, I think that's just kind of, that's been the best way to do it. And I have heard a lot of stories actually when I had arrived, like some people that said, yeah, we've seen people try to come down here and, you know, start a paddleboard business or maybe kayak tours or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they fold up and go home because they're not successful in the first Mm -hmm. six months of starting Mm -hmm. that like they just couldn't make it work because they were depending on that to make their life successful down there. And if Mm -hmm. you try to go about it that way, I think you're going to be asking for some problems. Mm -hmm. And I was definitely concerned because Guatemalans are not people who find the joy in water activities, especially Mm -hmm. something like paddle boarding. Mm -hmm. So I knew that it was going to be mostly tourists that were going to be the people that were going to be paying for my services. It's Mm -hmm. very much a, a tourist oriented business, you know, like, People are coming to Guatemala, they're visiting Lake Atilan for a few days. I always say like the the jewel, like the the treasure of visiting the lake is just getting on the water and seeing it from that perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was just counting on, you know, the water lovers and the paddle boarders of the world wanting a way to be able to explore the lake, like by that means, because it was almost impossible to even rent a paddle board at that time. Very few people even have them you can't buy paddle boards in this country anybody who has them <clears throat> had to you know import them or bring them down like on a flight or something like that so when i first started i was one of the few people on the entire lake that even had them and in the three or four years now that since i've been opened like they have absolutely blown up and they're kind of everywhere and i've got competing businesses that are doing kind of exactly what I did, kind of just copying my business, but just over in a different village. Um, so it's been, it's been good. It's been hard, but you know, I'm still working on it. I still haven't gotten to where I want to be with it. I definitely want to do more, earn more, grow and expand. And I want to make paddle boarding in this country a little bit more uh, popular than it currently is. Mm-hmm. But you know, that's a pretty, uphill battle and a, and a steep curve that I'm working against, but we're here for the long run. So I hope to, to see you get to that only just taking people for paddleboard adventures on Lake Atilan, like out of my place in Santa Cruz. But, you know, anybody who's ever visited Lake Atilan would know that Santa Cruz is one of the smallest villages on the entire lake. It is not 
the most touristy place and most people don't stay there. There are other villages like San Pedro and Panachel and San Marcos that um, is where most people will stay when they're visiting the lake. So I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage in that sense that I'm in one of the smallest villages with the least amount of sort of um, tourists to sort of draw from, even though people can travel from those other villages quite easily to come and enjoy my services. but. In the future, yeah, like I want to potentially have like a little like satellite option in each village, you know, like a little, you know, patch of land with eight to 10 boards so that anybody, no matter what village they're staying in, can sort of do, you know, my adventures and my tours um, from that village. And then I also want to expand out to more areas in Guatemala. Guatemala has beautiful uh, lakes and rivers and places to explore by water, but because it's a, you know, it's a country that's still kind of developing its international tourism to a certain extent. There's a lot of beautiful places that, you know, could be where I could be setting up more adventures and more satellite businesses where people can be doing paddleboard adventures, you know, like in uh, Lago Isabel and the Rio Dulce and down by the coast, there's lots of little um, channels and stuff like that that can be explored. So. In the future, I want to I want to grow it out so that you know I'm covering the entire country, and that you know people could even potentially come down here and do week long trips that just involve traveling around the country, staying in different places, <clears throat> doing cultural visits, but as well you know exploring the waterways by paddleboard uh, through somebody who can guide them and show them where to go and what to do because it's a difficult country to get information and to feel comfortable with where you're going and what to expect weather-wise. And there isn't a lot of that kind of information. And I just want to be one of the first people to sort of make these types of activities accessible to the world, because I think it's absolutely stunning. And I think people would love to come down and see it. So what's your day-to-day like, you know, at work and then when you have downtime? Hmm. Well, I would say it's a, my it's a, my life is a little bit different now that I'm living full time in Antigua, mm-hmm. um, and of course, you know the pandemic has influenced things significantly for our lives. I had to shut down the business for about a year and a half because of mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. So yeah. when we were living in the lake, you know, I did my tours in the morning. And then I was mostly just sort of like a support system for my wife. So, you know, my wife worked longer hours and more intense, high pressure work than I was mm-hmm. doing paddleboard tours and taking people out and showing them, you know, the lake. It was not even work for me. Like it was fun. I would just be out doing that by myself anyway. Mm-hmm. I had found myself in a position where people were paying me to go out and have fun with them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was quite blessed in that sense to be in a position where that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the day-to-day life uh, living in Santa Cruz is quite different than Antigua. Santa Cruz is this tiny little place. Um, it's basically boat in, boat out only. So it's very hard to escape. And, you know, there's these sort of public boat systems that are a little difficult to work with. So it was a very quiet life there. You know, me and my wife just liked our little property and staying in our home and, you know, visiting with friends like that in the evening, but it's not a very like active social, like nighttime kind of life there. Mm-hmm. And then living in Antigua is a little bit different. We're now, you know, in a condo closer to a lot more activities and stuff 
and which is why we made the move. Uh, we were in Santa Cruz for four years, one of those years being an entire pandemic year, you know, from March 2020 to, to March 2021, um, just kind of was a little bit too much for us. It was a little bit too um, closed down and isolating. Mm -hmm. uh, we found that a little bit suffocating, especially for me, since my business was closed. I just had nothing to do. Like, it was mm -hmm. just kind of too boring of a life there to live during a pandemic. Very safe, but mm -hmm. very boring. Mm -hmm. So we're in Antigua now. Um, I have a guide who runs my tours for me in Santa Cruz. I go back time to time to do some of the bigger groups or the more challenging tours myself. But I've got an employee now, which is a nice change. You know, that's like a step towards sort of growing, expanding. Anybody who's sort of self-employed knows how hard it is to kind of you know, put your, your business into the hands of another person. And uh, so that's been a, a good first step of just, you know, trusting somebody else to kind of run my tours for me and to do mm -hmm. them to the standard that I want. But we're very happy to be in Antigua now. It's just a bigger town with a little bit more options of things to do, places to go. And we're just really enjoying that. When I'm not dealing with my paddleboard business, Again, I just support my my wife and I help her with a lot of what she does. I um, do video editing for her YouTube channel. So that's kind of like my day job when I'm not, you know, managing anything related to my paddleboard business. So she works with a program called Entreport mm -hmm. and she programs that out for people who have online businesses or online courses. And, you know, she's one of the top uh, top in her field for programming that. So a lot of big companies pay her to to fix or program Entreport um, product automation settings for them. <laughs> Sorry, I'm terrible at explaining it. This is how bad I am when it comes to sort of like computer nerd stuff. Um, but she's absolutely great at it. She's very busy and I just help her with whatever part of that that I can help her with. Okay. Um, that's within my scope of capability. Mm -hmm. You know, what's what's your quality of life there? You know, both of you guys, like, you know, I, I'm assuming like the cost of living is less, um, you know, safety might be not an issue. Um, so, but, you know, you tell us like, what's it like, your quality of life? Um, I think the quality of life, I mean, we love it but this life is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I say that just in the sense that like, we are living in a completely different culture mm -hmm. than what we knew in Canada. And sometimes that can be very challenging. And sometimes it can be very rewarding as well too. Mm -hmm. I had to answer the question of like our quality of life. Mm -hmm. It's definitely better than what it would be in Canada, I mm -hmm. think, because we have a really beautiful two-bedroom condo, like in a gated community with a pool and hot tub. And then we also rent and have a casita down in the lake that's waterfront that we can go back to anytime where my business operates from. And I don't really think that we would be able to have something like that if we lived in Canada. I think we'd be spending a lot of money on rent and food and car insurance and gas and all the things that you kind of have to pay for to be a part of that system and you know me and my wife we kind of joked that like we unplugged from the matrix like we feel very sovereign and very kind of like in control of our own lives here because 
You know, my, my wife is an entrepreneur. She's running her own, her own online business. She has no boss other than her clients. And mm-hmm. I'm doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And being here in Guatemala, like we're kind of just like, we're outside of our own system in Canada and we're outside mm-hmm. of their system here. Mm-hmm. And I think that that provides a lot of just kind of peace of mind for us to know that, you know, we're not, we're not stuck in any system and that we're, we actually truly do control our own fate living here. Uh, and we can leave anytime, you know, but we choose to stay because like I said, we just, we have, I think we just have a lot more because your money just goes a, a lot, a long, a lot longer down here than it would in Canada. Mm-hmm. I mean, the weather is fantastic, which being a Canadian, again, growing up in Saskatchewan and, and having eight month winters, you know, it doesn't take a lot of motivation to want to go move down somewhere warm like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're, we're quite happy. The food's great. I mean, especially in Antigua, we joke that Antigua is like this, you know, food court of a town because there's just everything, everything you can ask for is here. It's within walking distance and it's just, it's great. Like Antigua is this little Spanish colonial UNESCO world heritage site. It's kind of like the tourism hub of Guatemala as well too. Like anybody that flies into Guatemala will travel down to Antigua and then you're your tourism event adventure usually starts from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so living here and kind of being in that in that hub is just absolutely fantastic. You guys have been there for a while and, you know, COVID has really changed things. You know, it halted your business for a bit, but, you know, obviously it's also halted travel for many people to be able to move about the world as freely as we once did. So, you know, what, what does that feel like? Like, how do you reconcile not being able to travel? Like maybe you once did, you know, how, uh, how do you deal with missing family and friends? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Uh, I'll be honest, like when, when the pandemic kind of first arrived in Guatemala, like I remember it was mid-March, that's when the country decided to shut everything down. They said, stay in your homes, you know, like um, there's going to be curfews. I, it, like it crushed me. I had to just stop running my business just out of nowhere. And I, I had felt like I had gotten my business to a place where it was actually really starting to do well. You know, I had a lot of tour bookings that were on the books, you know, and the, the retreats who bring the big groups. That's where I make the good money. That was all kind of like set up and planned and programmed. And then it all just came crashing down. And I didn't do that well, you know, in, in 2020, I was kind of depressed, like just bumming around the house, like a lot of people, you know, like just nothing to do, uh, no business to run, you know, just helping my wife here and there, like with the stuff that I could do. Um, so yeah, it was really hard. Um, but then, you know, things kind of started to pick up again, uh, during Christmas and I reopened in November and, um, it's been good, but yeah, you know, not this travel bans and everything that's, you know, I just have no interest in in traveling or visiting or going anywhere until this um, pandemic stuff is more or less kind of like leveled out because I just don't I don't need the risk and I don't need the headaches. And I'm hearing a lot of stories about Canada, about vaccine mandates and travel restrictions and you can't go here and do this and you can't do that. And 
I just have no interest in going there. Um, it's hard not being able to see my parents and my brothers. They're all still there. Mm. Um, but I actually was fortunate that we, me and my wife got married in Santa Cruz on the lake in November of 2019. Mm-hmm. And all of our friends and family came down for the wedding and we got to enjoy this really awesome week with them. Mm-hmm. And then a few months later, the world shut down. So I feel good knowing that like I was able to have that time with them. And, you know, that was a like a, a really, really fun week. And we got lots of visiting in. And for now, we're, we are just kind of like head down you know, working on our businesses, staying at home, staying out of public, you know, avoiding kind of all the the craziness and the division and everything like that. We don't really pay attention to it down here. Again, one of the, when you asked about quality of life, that's one of my favorite things right now about being down here is that I'm just not a part of all the fighting and yelling and division and anti-vax this and political that, like, that's just not a part of our world. Me and my wife, we work from home, you know, we're jamming on our businesses. We want to, we want to build them up and do great. And we kind of just focus on that, stay away from the nonsense. And our life here in Guatemala is very, very conducive to that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, hard to be in a pandemic, but we're just like, okay, if this is the case, it's just head down, work on the businesses. Mm-hmm. We'll get back out there into the world when this craziness kind of levels out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And so, you know, you guys have been there for some time and, you know, you have businesses that you're running and you sound like you really enjoy it there. So then I'll ask, what's your definition of home? And could you see this as your forever home? What's my definition of home? Um, well, if anybody ever asks me that, I always say home is where the heart is. And I say that because when I was growing up in my, in my parents' home, obviously we had a little picture frame hanging on the, on the wall that said that home is where the heart is. So that, you know, I can't not think of that. Uh, and I think it rings true, you know, like I think in this day and age, you can make your home just about anywhere. Like, maybe obviously a little bit less so in a post-pandemic world where travel restriction is is everywhere. But I mean, I think Guatemala and the people that I've seen come and go are proof that like, you know, you can make your home kind of wherever you want, if you want to. It's just as long as, as long as you're truly happy there. And, you know, our life in Guatemala is not perfect. There are many challenges. There are many frustrations. Um, you know, I think probably one of the hardest things, and I know this is kind of going off topic, but one of the hardest things is making friends really like Mm -hmm. a lot of people come and go Mm -hmm. and you invest time into people and you have a good time while they're here. But a lot of people, you know, they're, they aren't sticking it out for the long run. They're here for maybe six months, a year, Mm -hmm. and then they're ready to move on. So that's kind of one of the most challenging things is just having a good foundation of friends around. Um, And after you've been here for quite a few years, you start to get, that sounds bad, but you start to get tired of like putting in the effort to meet Mm -hmm. new people. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I would definitely say like, if you said like, what was, what's the hardest thing about living an expat life in Mm -hmm. a a foreign country, it would probably be that just sort Mm -hmm. of 
finding and making and keeping consistent friends is probably the thing that I find the hardest about living here. Mm -hmm. So then let me ask the opposite then, since you've already told me the struggles, well, then what, what are your joys about being an expat? Um, I think it kind of just goes back to what I was saying about Mm -hmm. being sovereign and, and being kind of unplugged from a system. Mm -hmm. Like we just feel autonomous in our lives. We don't feel dependent on anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we're dependent on an internet connection for my wife, but that's Mm -hmm. kind of, you can find that anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. It's just that feeling, you know, like we, we just get to do kind of whatever we want and Mm -hmm. we don't really feel any sort of system of control sort of navigating us in any particular direction. And I like that feeling like we can kind of, we can grow our life here too. Like Guatemala is just a little bit less strict when it comes to bureaucracy and, um, you know, thing, things that just sort of roadblocks to doing what you want to do. Like you can, you can do a lot down here if you're ambitious and you've got good ideas and you want to stick it out. Uh, I think like, I think like living in a country and then choosing this kind of life can afford you a lot of awesome possibilities that would be challenging in your home countries otherwise I think Mm -hmm. but again like it's not for everybody you know there's cultural barriers and language barriers and stuff like that and um but I think I think if you stick it out and you kind of and you learn how to navigate all that here then it's then it just becomes great Mm-hmm. I get to eat lots of delicious food made by incredible chefs in these restaurants at a fraction of the price. Me and my wife are foodies, so we absolutely love um, just going out and dining here in this Antigua, this little beautiful food court that has so much. And there's cafes everywhere. And mm-hmm. we're surrounded by volcanoes. And you can sit on a patio and drink a pint of beer and watch an active volcano, you know, explode off in the wow. distance in the sunset. And it's Mm-hmm. It's just wild, you know, like, I, I don't know. I love it. Just how different it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. That, that definitely sounds amazing. Uh, watch the volcano in the sunset and paddle boarding. And wow, that all sounds very amazing. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go ahead and leave it there for today. And, uh, you know, I want to thank you again, Marshall, for taking the time to be interviewed by me on this podcast. Are we home yet? A podcast where expats talk about what it's like living abroad and hopefully inspire future expats to take that journey into also having a wonderful experience abroad as well. So with that, I hope everyone has a great day as well as you too, Marshall. Have a great day. Thank you very much. You too. Up next is my interview with Karen. Karen is a chef who has lived in various parts of the world with her husband and young son. She's lived in Japan, Sicily, and currently Mexico. So this interview is really cool because we're not only talking about food, but we're also talking about love. And, you know, this interview was very special for me because I started crying during this interview. For the several years that I've lived abroad away from my family, I've missed the 
comfort of a home-cooked meal, which for my family is how, well, it's one of the ways in which we show love. And I'm sure for many families, it's how we show love to each other. Special occasions, holidays, we sit down, we break bread, we talk, we feast, we smile, we laugh, we connect. And so I hope that you'll listen to this interview and you'll connect with what we're talking about. Food, family, love, home, it's all there and so much more. I hope you enjoyed the show. Remember to hit subscribe and to stay updated, head over to arewehomeyetpodcast.com. I'm Jalila Clark. See you next time.